but it's instant. And like, kind of like what you experienced with what you were just talking about, we kind of walk through this mundane routine of our life in a daily basis. And it just becomes this mundane routine, but instant immediately when I introduced a musical, um, palette, basically, uh, immediately the room erupted. Mm-hmm. It was no longer a routine, just mundane. Everybody moved. Everybody smiled. It was like somebody flicked everybody's lights on. Welcome back, everybody, to the Redemption Road podcast. I'm your host, Doc John. Here on Redemption Road, we are interviewing high performers to hear about the life hacks that they use to get past the worst of circumstances so that they can go on and live a life full of abundance. Today's guest, he is an interdisciplinary international producer, songwriter, touring drummer, best-selling author of the book Road to 99, speaker and executive coach. He's been bringing music to broad audiences more than two decades His focus across all these art forms is an emotional connection, bridging lyric, rhythm, and melody to best serve the vision of both his own creations and those of the artists he works with. It's my pleasure to introduce Jeremy Schreifels. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thank you, Doc John. It's wonderful to be back in your presence so quickly. Yes, uh, we just uh, met for the first time in person last weekend, and it was a blast, and uh, you really got a charge out of getting to... uh, spend time with you and hear you speak and, uh, you know, hearing your story and uh, what you're able to do with music and what it does for people's mindsets and just the demonstrations that you gave us of even immediately in vivo, what it can do and the immediate impacts that it can have. It was uh, um, not to use a part of a mind blowing. And it was just uh, (laughs) something that really, uh, it really resonated with me and I'm I'm sure with the other folks that were, uh, that were present there. So I just, I've been looking forward to this all week and, uh, Looking forward to uh, getting more nuggets from you. So um, the theme for this podcast, of course, is redemption. And so all of us have a story. All of us have overcome some very difficult things. And I know you shared with us a a very uh, emotional story um, at the start of your presentation last Saturday at the event where we met. Uh, And so I'd like to open it up to you and hear about some of the difficult struggles that you've been through and some of the hacks and some of the mental strategies that you used to overcome them to get to where you are right now. All right, let's do that. Um, you know, I as many times as I tell this story, A, it never gets old, and B, it never gets any less impactful, um, even for myself. And so just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture, um, you know, I grew up as a musician, starting kind of at the, the grade level, like everyone else, or starting elementary school, grade school. And that's kind of where my musical journey began. But as I kind of grew in that, you know, some people know middle school time is just not the greatest time in the world because we're all trying to figure out who we are, what we are, do we even function well together? Yeah, it's like the most awkward time in the world. Um, However, as I kind of got through that, I learned, you know, kind of music was my thing a little bit and I stopped playing sports and, you know, I just was like trying to find this place to fit in also during that time was just, it was a real, um, such a hard thing to put a word on negative, hard, dark, um, not good. I don't know. I haven't found the right word for it yet, but just kind of an, 
a real negative time in my life. My parents had split um, for a period of time. Um, at that time, I had already started consuming alcohol by the age of 13 because okay. I had thought that was like a family acceptable thing to do. Um, and then that kind of just grew into kind of a deeper darkness. And all of those things kind of just stacked upon themselves, right? It never just is automatically there. It's all of these things that kind of build into this melting pot in our heads and in our person. And, you know, I got to a point, finally, I was 16, um, driving my car, like most 16 year olds do down the road, windows down, radio up. Um, and I had just decided that afternoon that, you know, I was kind of done with all of this. I was done with dealing with family and parents and being a teenager and, you know, what do I do with my life? And nobody accepts me for this and nobody really picks me for that. Um, kind of feeling lost, kind of not feeling a real sense of purpose at that time. And no, and not feeling a lot of control, um, over really anything. Um, you know, especially at home, that was, that was a real hard thing for me. Cause it was like, it's not my job to keep my parents together, but yet I felt like it was my job to kind of hold things together. Um, very helpless feeling. Yeah. Extremely helpless. And I'm just like, I'm out. And I was like, I'm going to take my car into the river. Um, wow. so I had driven around a normal curve that I drive all the time. It kind of winds around the Mississippi river here in Minnesota. And I was going, I literally physically turned the wheel to go into the, into the river. Um, my car swerved onto the shoulder and went down into the gravel. And as soon as my car hit the gravel, like something stopped, I stopped. Um, I hit the brakes, I stopped and I just kind of stood there, not stood, sat there. I'm in the car and for whatever reason, whatever song was playing that day, that afternoon, turned my wheel back onto the road like there is more whatever this song was telling me at the time was this like this is what needs to keep you on your road and keep you going down so at that time I decided that I was going to give put all of the sports away I was going to put all of the nonsense away I wasn't going to deal with the other things that were going on in terms of family and home and I was just going to dive all into music. So I did pep band and marching band and jazz band and all the, all of the musical things that I could to pour myself into because it was the only thing that made me feel good. It made me feel connected to other people um, and made me feel safe. You and, can control it. And I had control of that. Um, and so I avoided any of those other things uh, for as much or as long as I could. And so I began a journey of myself being like, okay, well, if music can do this to me, how can I also help have it help me? So I started playing games with myself. Can I change my mood? Can I change my mindset with different types of music? Because I have just like a very eclectic listening palette. Um, in fact, I was listening to like Indian conical percussion speak right before you got on. But like this afternoon, I was playing some sort of just instrumental piano music so I could get some work done in the office. Sure. So like I took these opportunities to be like, how can I affect my brain 
how can I affect my mindset and started playing games with myself. I'd get really mad and then like try to play, you know, UB forties, red, red wine. Like, could I stay mad if I listened to a song like that? <laughs> you can't, right? Cause right. you're smiling, just me saying it out loud. Um, or if I'm memories attached to those songs, it's just, and exactly. that's what's so powerful. Cause it, um, and it, it didn't interrupt you too long, but, that's one of the, I, I work with a lot of geriatrics and facilities. And I mean, we, we have, yes. we have so many of these residents who they're not able to speak. I mean, a lot of times they're practically catatonic. They hardly respond. You start playing music and all of a sudden you get an emotional response out of them. They connect with that. It, it, it connects with the part of the brain that just all of a sudden rejuvenates them. And sometimes you'll see tears come down their, down their face because they're just, they have these memories and they'll start tapping their foot and, it's sometimes it's the only thing that gets a response out of them. It's so powerful. And you know, I, I remember when you asked the impact, when you did the demonstration with us the other day, when you had us walking in the circle and you started putting it to music. And I, I said, you know, what was the difference? And, you, you, and I said, it changed my state. And it's such a powerful way to change your state. You know, hear Tony Robbins say, change your state. And this is <laughs> a powerful way, probably the most powerful way I can think of to change your state immediately. Right. And it, and it is physically and neurologically um, with the brain, because it is physically taking over 50% of that known mapped part of the brain. So it literally is consuming you more than anything. And that so when you mind the other day, when you told us that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, um, and, and I have a feeling, I have a feeling that it is more, but that is the research that I know to be true. Right. So that's what I'm sharing. Um, but it's, but it's instant and like kind of like what you experience with what you were just talking about. We kind of walk through this mundane routine of our life in a daily basis. And it just becomes this mundane routine. But instant, immediately when I introduced a musical um, palette, basically uh, immediately the room erupted. Mm-hmm. There was no longer a routine just mundane. Everybody moved. Everybody smiled. It was like somebody flicked everybody's lights on mm-hmm. and we didn't change anything other than that. And immediately the whole, almost 30 people had the same reaction. So it, and it wasn't because we said anything. It was just because we flicked that on. Absolutely. It's funny. You just thought, thought of mundane activities and it just made me think of at the baseball game during in between innings when they're tending to the field and yeah, our games here. The when the Rays play, they pl- they play music while the groundskeepers are coming out there, and now it's become part of the show because the groundskeepers are hearing the music and they're dancing, and it's become a big, you know, it's taken a very boring mundane activity of like combing over the grass or the dirt or whatever else, and it's become this celebratory time, and it's added to the fun and the whole ballpark experience because of what the music does. Exactly, and so I have spent a lot of years trying to kind of put that into practice um early in my marriage with we have at that time we had two small children and we were traveling long distance it was like a 12 or 14 hour car ride um and kind of the energy in the car was starting to rise if you've traveled with small children you know exactly what i'm talking about the energy in the car will start to rise Um, not in a negative way, but we're just, we're all in a confined space for a period of time. Um, and I had reached over and just changed the music that was playing on the radio. And my wife stopped me and she goes, you did that on purpose. And I said, I kind of 
subconsciously did it because I do it all the time to myself. And so now when I'm in situations, I will intuitively do it. Um, And I had done that. And it was just like immediately the energy level in the car went like this. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to yell at my kids to like, be quiet. I'm driving, you know, it's like, if you want to talk about being able to feed positive messages to your children without yelling at them, right. For doing something they should do and feel anyway. Why wouldn't I just change the channel on the music? The energy level comes down and everybody in the car is still just fine. Nobody yelled. Nobody got mad. Nobody felt bad. Like I did something wrong. Like you, it's amazing how much negativity you can remove not only from your own person, but think about just a one-to-one interaction or if you're a parent, like for my children, mm-hmm. or if you're like a boss and you got like some angry employees or staff, like you can change the makeup of that room by just doing this. Think about prison systems when you've got, you know, angry prisoners, you know, how can you control that environment? Yeah. And here's an interesting part about that. And you'll appreciate this from the mindset piece and dealing with um, different populations of people is you still, you do have to meet them where you're at. Like if you take somebody who's very ramped up, let's use the, like a prisoner who was really ramped up, has lots of anger, aggression, like you can't meet them. You can't put on, you know, Enya. (laughs) Yeah. You can't put on Enya and expect that person to immediately come down here. Like you have to meet them halfway or in their space and then help them down. Right. But you can do it, but without words, you can do it without aggression or any of those kinds of things. But you you do need to meet your body at a, at where it's at. Because sometimes, um, you know, like for working out, for instance, like try going for a run listening to Enya. It's hard. Yeah. It's like not- I know we want to stay relaxed and let our body move and have the movement. But at the same time, I'm like, I need something to keep me going. I think it's all about arousal level and you've got to have the right kind of music that's going to elicit the right kind of arousal level for you. And it's just yep. you know, certain things, you know, if I want to be, you know, if, if it's running where I just have one, you know, if I have one job is to run or if I'm a, an NFL linebacker, and my one job is to go after and tackle that quarterback. You know, I want something that's going to be high arousal and, you know, a, a very active, high energy song. However, if I'm the quarterback, if I'm if I'm Tom Brady coming to take the snap, then maybe I don't want that because I got to come to the line. I got to be attentive to a lot of things. I can't have tunnel vision. I got to be aware of everything in my periphery. That's maybe when we want Enya, where we want to have something very calming. And and so I think it depends on the level of arousal level that you need for the task that that, that's at hand and what you're wanting to accomplish. Allows them to create some sort of opportunity for clarity. Mm hmm and and have just kind of like what you said an open mind and that can sometimes be as simple as music with words and music without words absolutely because as soon as you have words you're now you're adding a layer of the brain having to interpret what those words are whether it's a song you've heard a million times or one time but remove the words and automatically the brain just relaxes that whole step absolutely and that that opens up your attention for other things i'm sure because I know when I try to do work with a song that's got lyrics on it, it distracts me, but put an instrumental on it <laughs> in the background and then I can focus. But 
you know, you put the words on, then I want to sing with it. And that just throws me off. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's good. Not always. And I want to, and I, I brought this up when we were chatting last week um, or when I was speaking last week was just this idea. And you alluded to it with the folks that you're visiting, you know, at the facilities you go to is this like, you physically can go back to that state of mind or mm -hmm. feeling of, mm -hmm of the past. Now I typically will use high school because a, it's the most rebellious time in your life. And usually where you become the most connected to whatever the music and friend group you're, you're choosing at that time, right. you will remember. So people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even, you know, people who are having memory issues or something, they will remember those songs. Like it was yesterday that they heard them. Exactly. And I had no trouble coming up with the song. Of course, it was the song I sent you the other day that I messaged yep. you. And like right off the bat, that Aerosmith song just came to mind and just I didn't have to think about it. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about over 30 years ago. And, you know, like I just remember like it's yesterday because, of you know, it's so, it, you know, brings up so much from your state and everything else. And just you, you remember all those things that you were going through. And it is such an emotional time because you are trying to get your bearings and yeah, it's, yeah, it, it was really cool. Just, I, I couldn't believe how easy it was to remember, you know, what was my favorite song when I was like 15 years old. Right. Yeah. You don't have to think real hard. And so music really gave me that redemption moment from my life at that point in time in high school and moved me on. I ended up going to college on like a full ride scholarship prefer performance. Um, and so music then literally became what I was headed towards doing for the rest of my life um so when you talk about it being how can we use it for mindset and really pushing through whatever it is we're going it's such a great tool it's not the only tool but it's a really great tool to kind of break the ice or get you through something or take a mundane thing and make it a little less mundane absolutely Talk to us about your career in music going forward you know, after college and uh, you know, tell me what you've been able to, to build, you know, as far as a, a music career and uh, what are, what are the, the great accomplishments that you've had and uh, what, what have you, what have you built uh, since the college days in terms of uh, building out that career and using that to help others. Talk a little more about that. Yeah. So I spent well, over the last 20 years, I've spent building um, a like a freelance drummer career. So basically a touring drummer. Um, I've toured all over the U.S. playing with, you know, different groups, mostly out of the Midwest and then kind of branching out or flying out to those places. But it gave me a chance to continually meet and connect with new people, um, which gained me access to newer networks of people absolutely and after being a performing drummer for after 15 years then i transformed um a space in my home the studio um those of you not on video can't see it but we're i'm in my studio currently um and started to go more into the creative space so producing music being a songwriter collaborating with people um actually internationally to create songs and release them onto the world with always the idea of like, how do I best serve the song so that I can best serve the listener? 
So kind of taking that mindset of how music changed and helped me, I want that to be the same experience at least one other person has when they hear a song that I've produced or written or, or been a part of. The great opportunities that I've had that have come out of that have been networking with people and realizing that as a musician, you're really an entrepreneur. You're a business owner. 100%. And a few people had continued to reach out to me and say, do you know that this is actually what you're doing? Do you understand that this is actually what you're doing? Do you know that you could help a few more people that are actually in that space if you brought what you're telling people into that space? Um, you got a small taste of that last week when you saw me speaking. But just that idea of bridging that gap of how do I bring the talents and experiences and the skills I've built as a musician of networking, meeting people, creating relationships, connecting with others, of course, transacting in a business way, um, whether it's for a gig or a creation or whatever that may be. Um, and that read me, led me to writing my book road to 99, which is really a book about a musician or music producer's journey to writing 99 songs is the idea behind the book. However, it just goes so much deeper than that. What was the meaning behind 99 songs? What like what was the significance of that particular number? Yep. So when COVID hit, my writing partner, Nate, who if you're reading the book, you know a little bit about right now. Um, we were like, I don't know, 13 or 14 weeks into our process of writing every week, kind of showing up for each other, committing to each other, being each other's accountability partners in the beginning is really how it started. And then we were just kind of talking about this idea of like, what will it, what will it feel like when we get to a hundred songs? What will that feel like? And his comment was, it will be our road to 99. Because that will what that will then be what the feeling of hitting song number 100 will be because it will have been that road to 99. And I'm like, thank you, because you just titled my book. It's, it's incredible. And when you're you're writing that many songs and, and one of the one of the passages from there that really struck home with me was you talk about how one of the biggest factors is you get and you like this baseball analogy, you said you're getting a lot of at bats. So when yeah. you're. When you're writing that many songs, talk to me about the muscle that you that you build <laughs> for songwriting when you've written 99 songs. I mean, that, that by the time you got to that point, I mean, you, you must have had some pretty significant skills developed and just um, talk to me more about what that did for you in terms of you guys' ability. And Well, we've definitely grown significantly, which is great. Um, and the beautiful part was is, he wasn't the only person I was doing that with. I had another writing partner. We were also doing the same thing. Um, and so it was really great to kind of have two parallel processes happening at the same time. And it gave me, me a really a great chance to learn a lot of skills all at once. And a lot of it was like communicating. How do you communicate? How do you communicate with other people? Because that's creating something. Um, creating music is, is creating art, right? And art is very personal right. um, and art is vulnerable yes. and being willing to share things. Um, you know, when you're writing those first songs, like it's very vulnerable because you're talking about 
my story and his story or her story or something that happened in our lives and like, okay, well, how do we, how do we bring those things together? Or how do we say like, I'm going to support you in this one and we're going to collaborate on it. But like, I know that this is your story. So like you becomes a support thing back and forth too, a little bit. A lot of give and take. Yeah. And, and not always work for all people. Right. Yeah. So that, which is just a great life skill. Right. Right. I mean, and, and seeing how you guys learn, you know, and how you communicate with each other and, you know, you, you don't always agree on what you want to do and, but you know, it's, it's learning ways to, you know, to be assertive, but be respectful, you know, be respectful of the other side when, you know, maybe you don't see quite that way or it's not quite what you're looking for, but to, even though you might have different ideas, I mean, you're different people, you're going to have different ideas, but to still, you know, function and have that synchrony, you know, with the other people that you're writing with, you know, it's a, it's a powerful skill for any, any setting that you're working in. So yeah. once again, with regards to business, with regards to team building, anything that you're talking about, um, just being able to communicate with the people around you that, you know, you don't necessarily agree with. I mean, obviously you guys are good friends, but it's, it's helpful for situations where you don't necessarily like the people that you're working around or they're not exactly which people you consider your tribe, but you don't have a choice. You have to work with them. You have to coexist with them and you learn those kind of skills for communicating and, and functioning together. Yeah. And the one thing that we always keep central and like, I always try to bring back, even if, even if, especially when we're in a tough moment, like either we can't decide or we can't agree or like, we're just literally lost. I'll be just like, whatever's going to serve the song the best. Right. Cause at that point, a, you've, you've brought their guard down because you've already committed to the fact that you're not going to bully them, mm -hmm. but you've also been a little bit, you've let go of your own ego. Right. It doesn't have to be my way, but what it does have to do is be the best version of whatever this song is going to be. Right. And the best stuff always happens when we leave our ego at the door and yeah. And that's, that's when we learn the most. And so, and when we're willing to do that, put that aside, that's that's usually when a lot of the magic happens. That's when the growth happens. I mean, you know, I, I know the times when I've been able to put my ego on the back burner is the times when good shit usually followed. And so yeah. very, very powerful. So I think as I grew through that book writing process and having those experiences and um, again, brought me to some more networking opportunities. I was able to get on a lot of podcasts. I think I did, I did over 20 podcast interviews just in 2022, um, which was super fun because I just get to meet and talk to people, which is fantastic. And um, it a blast. <laughs> it's, I love it. I love it. I love it so much that I created a podcast company where we create podcasts for others because we love it so much. Um, but you'll have, to, I, you'll have to tell us some more about that in a little bit. I'll let you continue that thought. But you'll, <laughs> you'll have to tell us more about that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but that is a perfect um, segue from the fact that you just never know who you're going to meet and you never know who's listening. And the reason I say that is I was on a podcast interview the pe person who was um, editing and producing that particular podcast heard me as the interviewee and said, I need to talk to that guy because he was feeling like a heavy load in what he was doing. He had some, uh, quite a few clients building and, you know, 
needing a person to fill in some gas with skills and me being in the audio industry for well over 20 years brought a wealth of knowledge um, in that space and kind of some of those organ- organizational pieces. And he reached out to me and he was like, hey, maybe this could be an extra revenue stream for you. And at that time, as a musician, I was kind of like in a space where I was like, I don't really know what I want to do next. Um, I don't, I knew that I wanted to work on some like legacy building stuff for my family and my wife and I, um, and though music it can, is, and can be a vehicle for that, there are certainly some more that are a much faster process, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't left those things behind, but I'm allowing them to just continue growing at the pace that they are. Right. And after him and I met, we're just like, why don't we just do this together? Beautiful. And with the idea of helping other people's find and bring their voice to life. Yes. Having them have an opportunity to bring their personal brand, their stories, their business brand, and kind of whether they're in a niche or they just want to share lots of knowledge with others. We love it. It's so great to give people a chance to and support their mission and whatever on their redemption road, exactly. helping them through that process and and making it simple so that they can just show up and do what they do well, which right. is talk right, and do their thing, right? And then we can show up and do what we really do well is make them look and sound good. Yes. That that's powerful. I mean, it's it's really about making people's dreams come true, and you're really about yes. helping them actualize, uh, you know, the, their dreams that uh, you know that they put forth. And you know, oftentimes the, the the things when people end up in this kind of space, it's not something they ever foresaw themselves doing from the start of their lives. But it's it ends up being a dream job. It's, it's it ends up being the best thing you didn't know you always wanted. Steal a line from a movie long ago. Fools <laughs> so, uh, rush in. It's a great movie. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you don't realize it, but then you have the chance to be your truest self and, you know, do that for a living and, you know, make, make a business out of that because, you know, and we all know that your test is your testimony, your message, your message. And to be able to share that, I mean, it takes courage. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a ballsy things to, to do, but you don't realize that every time you share it, like you said, you don't know who's listening. You don't know, you know, who, who that's going to help when they hear your message, because oftentimes the people that are going to be best for you to work with are, people that are in your shoes and maybe just a couple of years behind you. Exactly. Exactly. Very, very powerful. Hmm. Sorry. I decided to sit with that for a moment. So, um, so, so you're, you're producing the podcasts now you're producing music. So what do you see? What else do you see going forward? I, I, I know this isn't it for you because I, I know, I know your wheels are constantly turning and uh, I, I know you're, you're constantly growing. And so um, what, what else do you foresee coming from all this? Cause I, I know there's, there's gotta be more. There most definitely is a lot more coming. Um, and I think that the beauty of what happened when my eyes were open that there was something beyond music but I could continue to use all of those skills for me the floodgates opened because I'm like well then anything is possible mm-hmm. literally anything then for me is possible uh, because I just have to put to work and put into action all of these things that I've been working on and doing without knowing it for a few decades and so 
you know, growing more into the creative space, um, especially in the podcasting and audiobook space, because then giving authors a voice, because I think that's important as an author to not just write your book, but speak it because it's so powerful. Um, I did my audiobook and like I bawled like a baby through half of it. I had to keep redoing it. It was crazy. How does, I mean, I wrote those words long ago and they still resonate even with me as the author. Hearing it so out was, a whole different story, I'm sure. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and, and I think the other powerful thing too is that, uh, you know, more people have a chance to consume your, your book because let's face it. Uh, we all spend a lot of time in our cars. Yes. And so I, you know, I was always old school and I was like, okay, well, it's gotta be a handheld. I mean, especially any for sale of 75 hard and, you know, audibles don't count, you know, doing that, yeah. that kind of thing. But then, yep. you know, but then since then I was like, okay, I'm still gonna have my handhelds that I do as part of my routine in the morning, but I spent a lot of time in the car. I got some long commutes. And so just, you know, it's a great way to fill in time. So, you know, you got people who have 45 minutes to an hour in a commute, how many audible books can they get through? That gives them a chance to, to take in your book as well. Exactly. So it's, it's nice to be able to offer that as that extension of you. Right. And, and not only that, but the personality that you can add to it with your own voice and vocal and add in the extra interviews or yep, you could even add in clips of your music, you know, I had a lot of requests for that. Like you didn't play any drums or you didn't add any of your music into your audiobook. I said, no, I just wanted it done. It's all right. So, this isn't your only book, dude. Oh, oh no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not my only book. I have a feeling there's others and we're going to get a taste of the music. And so, um, yeah, just the, the element that you can add, the, just it's a chance for people to really get to know. It's one thing to get to know you through the written words. Another thing for them to hear you and hear your tone of voice and all the, on the, all the nonverbal components of everything, it just, uh, you know, it makes us seem more to a, of a person to them as authors. And so, yes, exactly. And then I, I, you know, I know that we have some things in the works that are going to be even bigger in the creative video and audio space, um, hopefully in the near future, but definitely by the end of, by the end of 2023, that's when we're recording and releasing this episode. So if you hear beyond that, it's already coming true. So excellent. What is it? What do you think would be shifting gears a little bit? What do you yeah. think is a good message that would be great to share with young people, with kids and teenagers and junior high folks regarding music? Because I, I think it's just so important to get get them thinking in terms of, of music because. I mean, there's been a lot of studies that show, you know, kids who are in music, they do better academically. I mean, they do better with math. I mean, it just opens up a whole other creative stream for them. I mean, um, you know, it, kids that are involved in these kinds of things, they end up having so much better outcomes in, in life in general. Um, right. What do you think is would be a good message to start, start sharing with kids early on when it comes to music and the impact it can have on life and your mindset and your success? What, what well, would you tell young kids coming up? I have a couple of couple of things with that. One is the music educator in me is going to say you should play an instrument because how I said before listening to music takes over 50% of the brain. When you play an instrument, it's actually 70. So you are just your brain is just so much more firing on so many more levels 
than any other person. Mm -hmm. So when I was teaching high school students, I used to say, thank you for being the top 2% of the people in the world who played instruments. Right. Right. What a way, what a great way to already say to students, you're doing a great job and doing great things. Um, big edge. The other thing that brought, that just brought up another point from your book, which I thought was so fascinating, is uh, you had a part where something to the effect of doesn't matter if it's twenty five to fifty people in the stands or if it's a stadium full, but when you're playing and you're that immersed, you don't notice the difference because you're using so much of your brain, you're so engrossed, and you're getting such a high off that music. The size of the crowd doesn't matter, right? And it doesn't matter for two reasons. One is literally my brain is so consumed with what's going on um in a neurological way right like it almost feels a little out of body so um which is fun and weird when you start to realize that's what's happening at first um but the other part is is like i'm usually only trying to reach one person so whether i'm playing to five or five thousand i just want to reach one person whether i'm reaching them from behind my drum set whether I'm reaching them as an educator, whether I'm reaching them as a speaker. My goal last week was just to reach one person in that room. The fact that two came up to me and said something or three, like that's a 300% increase. What business owner wouldn't want that? My goal was just one. Um, That makes it worthwhile if you just get one. Yeah. And so for young kids, the biggest message I could say is, listen to as many kinds of music as you can because it will expand your brain because I think one of the hardest things or the most detrimental things that people do with music is they pigeonhole it and decide, right? To decide means to end all other opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Decide to not listen or take in anything else. And I just really think that's unfair to you as a human because there are so many great things of music out there. Mm-hmm. And at the very basic level, and let's just call it Western music, um, there's only seven notes. Yeah. There's only seven notes. Everything is made off of those seven notes. A through G. So you so so what you're saying is this music is better than that music i'm like well they're made with from the same makeup sure same building it's like saying linguine tastes better than thin spaghetti they're both pasta right they're prepared differently they're probably paired with different things because it makes that taste better but they're still both pasta but you know what the coolest restaurants are? The coolest restaurants are the ones that are fusion. They'll they'll take uh they'll take like Korean and mix it with Mexican, and those are yes. the coolest restaurants. And the same thing with music. You're, you you mix two different types of styles together, and all of a sudden, you've got something unusual, and you're different from everybody else. You're not just the garden variety country singer. You're not the garden variety merengue singer or whatever genre yeah. of music we're talking about. Yeah, they're fusing a couple things together. You know, you, you take a Florida Georgia line and you start pairing with Nelly and you've got yes. some fucking cool ass songs. <laughs> you get something. <laughs> you get songs that cruise a little bit and tell me those aren't fun to play with your windows blaring going down they the highway. Are, they, they are a blast to play. Guilty as charged. Talk about polar opposite, you know, songs. And you might say, oh, I a country I'd never listened to something like Nelly or vice versa. But you, you keep just it, did. And it It works and uh, people remember it. Yes. And, and I think that 
I think that people at that level, musicians at that level are doing some of those collaborations. And I think that their hope, I would hope that part of their hope or idea behind it is to kind of cross that line a little bit and share that with people. I also am not naive enough to think that it isn't also for a business reason, because especially from country to pop, you know, obviously there's a lot more reach when you go into the pop space. Right. So that's a smart business decision. However, I think it's wonderful that more people are getting exposed to more genres and types of music. So for that, I'm taking the win. Excellent. A couple moments ago, you mentioned how when you're playing, it's an out-of-body experience. And it may, gave, brought to mind another question. Mm-hmm. How can we best use music to help folks who are trying to get through substance abuse problems? Because a lot of times you're using substance abuse as a means of escape, as a means of avoidance. Mm. How can we use music effectively to help those people? That is a really great question. <laughs> um, I can tell you that I went through a moment in my mid-20s where I um, that I went through an alcohol abuse phase. Mm-hmm. Um and I used music exclusively um, because the reason I used alcohol was to get rid of, to make my mind not think of, you know, obviously as, as, an, as a way to hide from the world mm-hmm. or if something was hard or negative or whatever, it was my escape. It actually does your brain better to use music as your escape, not just as a thing that you parallel with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding music that resonates with you, that uh, pairs that brain down enough to not want to fire the need to have that escape or out of body feeling or numbing, right? That's really what it is. You're numbing. Um, because sometimes people are like, well, I'm just going to listen to music. Then I won't want to drink or I won't want to smoke or, you know, insert ABC substance. Um, and that once they just think they can put anything on, I think that that is where there's more of a unique need to make a decision and do a little bit of like experimenting to find what works for you. I found like acoustic guitar driven music was really great for me because it was still rhythmic enough, Mm -hmm. palatable enough, calmed my body enough, but still kept enough energy. Um, like Billy McLaughlin is wonderful for it. Um, he's an amazing guitar player out of Minnesota and, um, has some real physical challenges and isn't a wonderful guitar player. And so that was something that really helped me through that time and space because it worked for me. Yes. Yes. And uh, I would totally agree with that. You have to find what's going to be effective for you. I, I think in addition, kind of uh, piggybacking on the, what you just said, it's, uh, I think being able to create music and it's because, you know, like any other art, it is so cathartic in its own way. And it's, you know, it's not direct. It's not like you're standing in front of a crowd of people and telling your innermost feelings. It's a little more indirect, you yes. know, and you know, people have to think a little bit about your message, but it, you know, it's definitely embedded in there, but I think it's a chance for you to still have it be cathartic and get it out. And, you know, like anything else, you know, the more we talk about the things that are ailing us, the less power it's going to have over us. And so, I think there's that powerful element of it as well. Yeah. And not only did I have the opportunity to use the listening piece of it, I dro- I really dove into the creative piece of it. So creating music, kind of like um, art therapy, 
something of that nature. A lot of people use art therapy and kind of get it out on the paper or canvas or whatever medium they're working in. Mm-hmm. And then, but, you know, I was able to use my creative palette. I create, got some software tools and things that I could use so that I could feel like I could create a complete idea, not just drums. Right. Um, and really put some things together. Some of my f- first couple albums that are out that are out on iTunes and Spotify and things are a real reflection of that time. Um, and it's real interesting to think about it because those first two albums, I really called them sonic imagery because mm-hmm. my goal with them was to, for the listener to physically, which this, so this would have been, this would have been about 20 years ago, literally when okay. I started um, that was really at the time where people stopped listening to full albums. I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you saying I'm old, Jeremy? <laughs> well, I know the song that you sent me that was your favorite song. So there's an opportunity that you're in the same school as I am. Uh, in terms of you used to rush to the store to buy the album and go home and listen to the whole album. Yes. From front to back, whether it was on I vinyl. had to rewind the damn thing because I was using cassettes I mean, <laughs> before the CDs came. So I had to, if you had the one song you liked, you had to go and rewind it and everything else. And so, yeah. I was at the tail end of cassettes. I was definitely in the CD phase and I bought lots of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but my goal with those albums was somebody to put that CD on, put on headphones and get lost for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. That was the goal and take, go on a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that those are a real reflection of where I was at at that time and space. And album two, in my mind, shows, I don't know if I want to go as far as saying that's the Phoenix album, where it was a rising out of. Mm-hmm. But now that I say that out loud, and this is the first time I'm actually saying this or even thinking like this, is that's probably my Phoenix album from that time. So that's powerful. That's if that isn't if that isn't redemption, I don't know what it is. Hell to the yes. Fuck yeah. And Woo! thank you. Doc John got me there today. So just so you all know. Wow. Didn't realize this was going to be part session, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can bill for it though. So sorry. No, no. <laughs> I'm out state. Plus confidential confidentiality <laughs> is way the fuck out the window. <laughs> That's all right. And I'm not waving it. So we're here. We are. <laughs> Man. Well, gosh, I need to be respectful of your time. Um, so before I let you go, um, how can everybody find you? What is the best way for them to, uh, to learn about what you're doing you know, as far as your business, to hear your music, uh, to find you on social, uh, What's the best way for everybody to link up with you? Because they they all need to do themselves a favor and do that. Well, if you just search my full name, Jeremy Schreifels on iTunes or Spotify, I would love for you to check out my music and take a listen. Same thing on social media. Please connect. Please ask me any questions. I love talking about music or how I can help others think about or use music in their space. Um, If you are interested in building your own voice or your brand, let me know. Excellent. Love to connect. Perfect. Can't thank you enough for being here. This has been an absolute blast. And uh, yes, we'll definitely have to do this again.
That sounds fantastic. Thank you, John. Everybody, it's my pleasure. Everybody, if you got nuggets out of this, which I'm sure you did, because I know I did, if uh, there's somebody that you know could benefit from this, please share the show, pass it along to them, and uh, get get the word out there. Uh, music's going to be a very powerful thing for you. I'm sure it already has been in your life, and it's going to continue to be. And uh, it's one of the best ways, like we talked about, to change your state and to really help you to cope with life. And it can really just, uh, it, it's its really going to add a whole ray of light to everything that you do. So uh, please share the show. Go online to Spotify and to Apple and leave us a five-star review. Get out there. Make it your mission for the day, for the week, to the month, the year, to go help other people, make their day better, and uh, be good to yourselves. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>